Welcome back to Software Social. This episode is sponsored by the website monitoring tool, Oh Dear. We recently refreshed the Geocodio website, and it was really helpful how Odier alerted us to broken links and made it clear what we needed to fix. Broken links are bad for SEO, and so I really appreciate those alerts from Odier. You can sign up for a 10-day free trial with no credit card required at odier.app. Good morning, Michelle. Hey, how are you? Good. How are things in Denmark today? Well, this week was kind of a challenge um, because on I had a super productive writing day on Monday. Um, so I so actually so I I read um, Kathy Sierra's Badass over the weekend. Oh yeah, I've heard of that book. I don't know. Have you read that? I have you've not. Re- okay, you've read that. Oh, you have not read. I've not okay. read that. It's really good. So in so many ways, it's. I think of it as like jobs to be done for people who don't know what jobs to be done is and have never heard of that. Like it's basically like figuring out like you're not just building a thing for the sake of it. You're building it because somebody wants to do something and they don't buy it for the sake of it. Like they want to do something better. And so it's it's kind of aligned with story brand in that regard. It's like, you know, your user is the hero, not the product. But it's a little bit more... um, It's. I think it's. 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 It's just a different perspective than Storeband. It's very, very practical, um, and it, the whole thing is kind of written like a PowerPoint. Uh, there's like lots of like pictures and hmm. and comics. And actually, my seven year old, like while I was reading it, she came over and she was like, "Ooh, what are you reading? Like <laughs> pictures." And it's like, so you know, if she wants to learn how to make a product, I'll leave that one lying around. Um, it's really good. Um, but so I was reading it because some people had mentioned it. Um, in the interviews I did as a book that they liked. Okay, great. And yeah, and and so I read it just sort of as like reference material. Um, but actually it ended up like helping me kind of have a breakthrough with a book on Monday. Um, and so I spent like the whole day. Uh, yeah, no, whole day Tuesday, actually. I spent the whole day Tuesday writing. Um, I didn't get any writing time on Monday, really. And then Tuesday at like four o'clock, I was... Um, like signing on to a zoom and then my computer crashed oh no like died and crashed and like gone to join the choir invisible like is now an ex laptop like just totally got like it was just restarting itself for like three days and oh so it is now embarking on a lovely journey to the czech republic to be repaired (laughs) Um, <laughs> and I did not get a lot done the rest of the week because it was like trying to figure stuff out with using the, like the iPad and Ugh. like, it was just, yeah. So, you know, but that's real life, right? Yes, that is real life. <laughs> so true. Uh, so how's, how's it going for you? So I, Got a lot of time. I blocked out a lot of time this week to work on Simple File Upload, and it gave me great joy. Like, I have to say, you know, it's funny because people are always talking about self-care, and in the mom space, like, you always see things like, go get a pedicure, and I'm like, my self-care is like six hours alone with my laptop with no one to bother me. Is that weird? Heck yes. <laughs> like, I love that. So, like, on Monday, <laughs> I'm such a weirdo. It's so true. Like, it's so true. Like, so much of self-care is, like, people just wanting to sell you stuff. 
And like reality is it's sometimes it's just leave me alone. Right. Just leave me alone. (laughs) So it was, I really had a great week. I got to spend a good chunk of time, um, implementing this feature request, which was something that I thought would be easy (laughs) and ended up taking way longer than I thought. So basically my uploader uses the default styling that comes with drop zone, drop zone JS. And so I got a request to allow it to be smaller, like 50 pixels by 50 pixels, which I thought would be no big deal. But it turns out once I started digging into the source, the styles are all pinned to 120 pixels by 120 pixels. So it was like a huge thing to change this because I basically had to rip out all of the static, you know, statically defined CSS and put in um, flexible CSS. And it was fun. I mean, it was, it was so cool because it was something I enjoyed doing, um, something I don't do a lot. I think one of the huge benefits to building your own product is you get exposed to things you wouldn't do in your day job. Like every job I've had, I have a front end guy and I have a CSS guy and I don't really do that very much. Um, it's not a core skill set of mine. So it was kind of fun to get to dive into it and like learn some new stuff and, and, uh, and, to, and to ship it. So that made me happy. That brought me great joy. It sounds like it did, despite the, the frustration. I'm curious, why did the person need it to be 50 by 50? Avatars. So... So many people are using it as avatars and using it for avatars and it's pinned to 140 by one or 120 by 120, which is big. I mean, you look at it and you're like, eh, it's kind of big for a, um, um, a form factor. So yeah, that's what that was for. So are we are talking about when someone uploads a file, it's turned into that size or the actual size of the uploader when they put it on their site? The actual size of the uploader to fit into... So he actually sent me his form, like sent me a video of his form, which was really cool. So I could see exactly what he was doing. But his product um, uses like avatars. And so he has a a small little square where he he wants to enable his users to drop in an avatar. And his form was designed in such a way that that had to be a small square and the styles I had at the time like couldn't support that. Oh, so he wanted the uploader to be the actual size of the sort of finished image that would go kind there. of yeah, a little bit more like that. Okay, yeah, so it would it would be more okay. seamless. So right, so it implies to his user that the image going there should be fifty by fifty because if he had a huge box, they might think that they could upload a huge, huge image. image. Yeah, so that was fun. Gotcha. I enjoyed that. Um, I also like came to this epiphany as I've been talking to people. And when I say it, everyone is going to be like, that's so obvious, but it just occurred to me yesterday, actually. And I've been a little bit frustrated when I've been talking to people because the things people are looking for and want are all over the map. I mean, it's, it's completely inconsistent. I haven't been able to find a lot of consistency, but what I realized is Front-end developers want all of the direct uploading and the AWS integration and all of the magic on the back-end. Back-end developers do AWS all the time, so they don't really care, but they hate doing design. I don't want to say hate, that's a strong word, but they don't really like design. So they want the pixel-perfect UI on the front-end, which makes sense now why 
front end developers are asking me like, oh, are you going to make a headless component? And, you know, am I going to get my images sized perfectly? And then the back end developers are asking me for theming and things like that. Mm. So it's two different, like, it makes sense. But like, for some reason, this just clicked. So I kind of need to decide, I think, like, which direction I want to go, because it seems like, like I said, the feature set is not the same. And I'm there's only one of me. So I can't, I, yeah, of course, I'd like to build out all of these things, but I can't do that right now. Um, so I kind of need to decide which direction I want to go as I continue to build out this feature set. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. It's, it sounds like you've heard a lot of different things, uh, from people, which by the way is like, is totally normal, especially at this point where your reach is, is pretty broad and you don't, you don't have a defined focus. It's, it's normal that you would hear a lot of different things. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Like that's, that's totally expected. Um, but it sounds like if you know you have these two broad categories with different sets of needs, have you like, like I'm wondering how you might categorize the feedback and suggestions and, and processes you've heard about so far into those different user types. And then, and then it would be interesting to see if, if one of those groups has a higher propensity to pay versus another or like I mean and it, and it might be too broad of a group like like front like front end developers and back end like those are those are pretty broad groups right um but it might it like like it might be interesting or just to think about like whose needs do you currently serve better yeah yeah that's definitely yeah I definitely have to dive more into this um and think about it I like the idea of kind of trying to uh kind of box the feature set based on the skill set of the user. Um, because I, I really like the idea of, of who is more likely to pay for it. I mean, that seems relevant for sure. Right. <laughs> That's why I'm here. It's always a good thing to <laughs> it's know. It's always right? a good thing to know. <laughs> Did you ever get in touch with that? Uh, the, the customer we, I think we have called the whale, the, uh, the one that was like, what was it like? This guy is paying me 250 bucks a month or person. I don't know. I don't want, but, um, this person is paying me 250 bucks a month and this person has still not canceled and is still not using it. I don't like, I don't know what to expect. Here, All right. right? <laughs> I keep expecting a nasty email. Like I didn't know I was paying that money, but it's been like almost six weeks now, I think. So this person has paid that bill at least once. So yeah, no idea. I got nothing. But what I have noticed, so something else we talked about last week was changing my onboarding flow. So I did change the onboarding flow. And um, oh, yeah, you had all those people who were like, is it like wasn't clear to them that they would have to pay for the free trial. So they were right getting through to the email setup, but then bouncing and it's like, why hold on to their emails if it's not worth anything? Yes. Yes. So I changed that. So now the sign up link dumps you to the pricing page and then on the pricing page, like the wording is still kind of rough, but it basically says a credit card is required to sign up for the trial. Um, so that should help me, I think get less like kind of emails I don't need in terms of onboarding. Oh, so you did change that mm-hmm. this week. Again, I did that yesterday. So it's too soon to say if um, what difference that'll make. Like it, it might tank my signups. But at this point, I mean, it's 
it's funny because like there's so many things I want to do and there's just one of me, one of me who has a job. <laughs> so um, I, I think I have to let this one go. I have to let the extra email addresses, like I looked at this morning before our podcast and saw all the email addresses of people who bounce at sign up. And I'm like, man, like someday I might be able to, I realize it's like 15. I mean, just from a couple of days, it's like 15 people. It's like, I have those email addresses, but I'm just going to let them go because where I am right now in trying to build this, like I just don't have the bandwidth to try and hunt down people who might never want to pay me at this point. I need to serve. I think I need to serve the people that are paying me and like really focus in, um, you know, on those, on those folks. Mm. I think we, you know, we, we've talked about it a couple of times, how it is just you and you are one person with a job and a family and everything else going on. And you have so many ideas and I'm curious how you are keeping track of all of those different things that you want to work on. Cause it, cause it sounds like that like mental load of carrying around all of your own ideas and the feedback you're like that, like that, that is a mental load. Yeah. So right now I keep track of all of that in notion, but you know, I've gone back and forth on notion. I know some people love it and some people hate it. And like, I don't know, like a couple years ago, maybe a year ago, I really spent a couple days getting a setup I liked and I used it really, really diligently. And then when things get really busy, that's when you should rely on your tasks, you know, on that the most, but yet I tend to just let it go because you have so many competing priorities. So I do have a list, but do I actually look at that list? No, I mean, <laughs> I just, I just, I'm like, I should do this thing next. And then I do the thing, but I do have a list so I don't lose like these ideas. I think I like, it might be helpful to try to like prioritize those. And also I remember when we were talking about this last time you had a to do that was like, you know, improve the landing page. And it was something that was actually like 10 steps deep and it like wasn't one task. And I want, I wonder if that would help. Yeah. Being more specific. Um, I do, I do think that would help. I also think like this thing with the, the, the small styles I mentioned that ended up taking way longer than I anticipated. So that's why like task management, um, can be challenging, I think. Cause you just, as you know, in software, you just want to have the, you just want to block out like three days to do whatever you want to do. And it's just sometimes hard to know how long these tasks are going to take. But generally speaking, yeah, breaking them down is is good. But like, so here's a problem I'm having. Okay, and here's a business idea for anyone listening. You know how Stripe, Ooh. I know, business idea. Maybe I shouldn't share it. I should just <laughs> build it. <laughs> but I don't have time to build anything else. Um, so you know how Stripe provides really cool analytics? Like you log on to Stripe. And I know there's like many, many analytic platforms built on top of Stripe, but even Stripe is nice because you can log on, you can, you know, see what your churn rate is. You can see the lifetime value. You can see all this information about your customers. Heroku has none of that. Like, so I'm not even really tracking people who churn on Heroku. So if you asked me, like, how many people have signed up and then canceled, I can't even tell you. 
Like, I mean, if I tried really hard, I could figure it out. But I love how when you sign on to Stripe, you like get that dashboard right there. Like, here's all your information. That would be super cool for Heroku. So I'm at the point where I'm not even exactly sure. Because if you churn, I delete your account. So I'd have to like go find that information. And of course, and of course I say this and every software developer listening is like, yeah, that's so easy to build. Yes, it's so easy to build. So are the other 5,000 things I want to do. So to me, <laughs> like, like I know if I was listening to this, I'd be like, well, just write that. That's so easy. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's such competing priorities. So like, that's something I want to know, but not something I have time to build. And when I have, what do I have? 20, 20-ish, 25-ish paying users with such a low percentage, with such a low number of paying users, it just doesn't seem worth my time right now to really care about that. I think you just hit on something really important, which is that sometimes building something is much easier than marketing it and figuring out who needs it and why and pricing it and you know, building is not easy in its own right, but there there is a real cha- like you're you're going through this challenge right now, and I mean, to me, it, it it makes sense where that's where your comfort zone is. That now you you have something going, but there are definitely some frustrations with that. That the prospect of going to build something else is sort of a shiny ball that jumps out at you. Oh, totally. And I've given myself a little more permission to do that now that I have paying users. So I know this is a thing. You know, even doing these customer interviews, like I like people, I like to talk, but before every customer interview, like I get a little nervous, you know, because it's someone you don't know. You're basically like cold calling someone, asking them for their time and then trying not to talk over them. Like I have just found it to be a really interesting exercise to try and, and do all of those marketing activities but like I said, this week when I had my couple days of just coding, like that's definitely Sparks Joy. That's my Sparks Joy place. Like I love talking to people and meeting people, but I do find that that is harder and requires a totally different skill set and energy level. Absolutely. And and I noticed that you said you you find yourself nervous beforehand. You, you said you're nervous, and but there's different reasons for that. Like you're sort of partly afraid that, you know, they're not going to want to talk to you, sort of like a cold calling sense, but also that you're going to talk too much. Okay. This is my thing. So I think that I'm like, if anyone who has met me in person, like, I think I'm good in person with a one, one-on-one. Like, I think I'm good with like getting to know someone and like and developing a connection with someone. But I do that by echoing what you say and by like just getting excited about whatever you're saying. And when I'm doing these customer interviews, something you and I have talked about a lot is like, don't get overly excited and and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Or, oh, you're totally right. But I like to agree. I don't want to say I like to agree with people, but if I agree with you (laughs) about whatever you're talking with, my natural inclination is to be, is to effusively agree with you, right? That forms our bond as friends, as people. And, you know, I agree with you. And um, so what's hard for me is if you're like, oh my gosh, I hate setting up buckets on AWS. That's a good example because that has happened. I want to be like, I know it's the worst, like cores configuration. Everyone forgets that. But I'm not supposed to do that in a customer interview. So like 
me just being like, oh, tell me more about why you hate setting up buckets on AWS or whatever it is, um, is a challenge. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, I almost sometimes find myself having double tracks of thinking in my head. Like when someone says something that gets me really excited, like, um, I'll have it be like, oh my God, yes, so good. And, and then you have to be like, can you tell me more about what you find difficult right. about working with those buckets? Because the, the thing that you want to find out in the interview is not just that they think it's difficult, but why it's difficult from their perspective. And it's going to be difficult for different reasons from your perspective. And the point is not to, sh- to build a shared bond over the fact that it's difficult. It's to understand their perspective on it, which may be similar to yours, but is different. Um, yeah. but, it's, but I mean, but it's also, it's normal to get excited. You know, I was, um, I was listening to an episode of Hidden Brain a couple of weeks ago where the linguist Deborah Tannen was being interviewed and she was talking about how people from different regions in the U.S. have different conversation styles. So people from the Northeast, which includes me, we will talk over other people as a way of showing excitement and engagement with what they're saying. Yeah. And that is a way of being involved in the conversation versus somebody from the Midwest or from California, like they might have to wait and pause naturally before the other person stops speaking in order to share their own perspective on it. And apparently, like, you know, um, I was, I was talking to someone who, um, sort of studies cross-cultural communication and they were saying that the way you know so so a Californian may interpret that how someone from New York speaks is interrupting but somebody from Japan may interpret that the way that people from California speak is interrupting right so all of these things are, are relative but I think that kind of conversation style I, like I especially find that like that that took me years to tamp down. And I think for me, like, I didn't start tamping that down when I first started doing interviews. Like, that process happened, you know, once I moved from Boston to D.C. and, and you know, dealt with people from, from, from the South and the Midwest more who are – who do not use that sort of excited um, way of talking over people to show engagement. It's very, very different. Um, like, having people to- tell me that I was rude – forced me to kind of reevaluate that. But of course, if I, if I talk to somebody from New York or whatever, like we're excited and talking over each other and it's so fun and chaotic um, in a way that I just can't do with someone from, you know, Washington State, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that's true. Um, and I definitely think it's a skill and, you know, I'm working on it and uh, trying to learn it, but it's definitely different, like whole different skill set and energy level than working on features or working on yeah. code. And you know, sometimes I find it helpful to remind myself and other people that I'm trying to teach this to is that it's helpful to try these things out in conversations with people. Like, so you might normally start relating to someone, but to try this out just just to get used to it. But then you don't have to change your conversation style, like in a social setting. Like, there's there's nothing that says that one style is intrinsically more valid than another like just because there might be relative differences doesn't mean that one is is any better and that there's anything wrong with the way you talk. But it can be helpful to try this out in a social setting at first, just so it feels a little more natural when you're talking to a customer. 
yeah, that is a great idea. And I will continue to practice. It's good to practice on your kids because they talk a lot anyway. So I feel like it's good. <laughs> at least mine do. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been practicing on the kids. <laughs> One of my favorite references for my book actually is the book How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and How to Listen So Kids Will Talk. Yeah. Because it's technically a book on parenting, but really there's so much more to it. And especially for people who who find this is really, really counterintuitive and strange to them, I think it's probably because they were spoken to differently as a child. And this kind of way of just, you know, validating what someone is saying and, um, you know, it's may not come may not come naturally, but but it can be learned. Yeah. How do you try it out on your kids? I'm curious. Like when they tell me something, I try literally do it. Like they'll tell me something. I'll be like, well, tell me more about like why this was a problem with Jimmy or or why do you think, you know, like I'm, I'm just trying to be like cool, calm and collected, which I mean, I mostly am, but I try not to get overexcited when they tell me about what their friends did or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Tell me more about that. How did you feel about that? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, before we wrap up for this week, I have to ask. How are the numbers? So they're flat. Um, I hit 1K. I didn't actually calculate the exact number, um, but I think I'm right around 1K. I didn't have any new signups this week. and Or I did, but then this is what brought up the churn discussion. I did have a new signup, but the person on the $85 a month plan churned, which is unfortunate. Um, and there's just that's why I'm like, there's just so much I want to do. But I think right now... I think for this week, okay, all I can do is plan one thing at a one week at a time, right? I have a long, I have a list of all the things I want to do, but in terms of staying focused, especially with my time constraints, like this week, my goal is to get a demo on the homepage because I want to increase signups. Like that's what I want to do right now. So, um, that's my goal for this week. Like another thing that happened <laughs> was I went to go put the demo on the homepage. And it's the code pen thing. Yeah. Right? But I want to pull it off a of code okay. pen. It, yeah. It's on code pen, which is fine, but I want to pull it off a of code pen and literally put a fully functioning demo, like drop your file here and I'll, I'll alert you the URL or something. But the reason I haven't done that is because I had to write. So I had to write all these monkey patches cause I am still on Rails 6.0, which doesn't support uh, CDN serving a files, so I'm I'm patching through it. So I go to put it on the the homepage, and then I was like, well, while I'm you know while I'm doing this, I should just upgrade Rails, which is like not an insignificant task. So then I spent quite a lot of time going through the upgrade of Rails, and 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 that's really I think my struggle is I do need to upgrade Rails because as soon as I upgrade, I can pull out those monkey patches, which gives me warm fuzzies because I don't like to patch Rails if I don't have to, right? And the patches are literally like the pull request on Rails 6.1. So I know that they're correct, but still, I'd like to upgrade and pull them out. But, um, you know, that's that's not insignificant. So then I start, I start upgrading and then I'm like, oh, well, if I'm going to upgrade, I need more test coverage. So then I start writing more tests. And you see how this just snowballs, right? <laughs> like until like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, wait, like I literally wanted to put a thing on the web page. And here I am trying to upgrade the whole application and like, fill out the rest of the, t like write these other tests. And oh my gosh, I mean, it's fine if this was all I did with my life, but I have other things to do. 
This feels like the equivalent of like going to put away a basket of laundry and then you're like, while I'm here, I should just organize the sock drawer. Yes. And then before you know it, you're actually sorting out all of the winter clothes and putting them away and making a donate pile and then bringing out the summer clothes. And then you turn around two hours later and there is still a basket of laundry sitting on the bed. That's literally it, Michelle. That's literally what happened to me. Like it was, I was like, Colleen, stay. And it's not that I'm not focused. Like these are all good things. And, and it's exactly right. I'm like, well, I'm in here. So I should should fix this thing. I did that with the CSS stuff too. I was like, well, I'm in here. So I'm just going to rewrite the whole preview template. Cause why not? Like <laughs> that is my it struggle. It sounds like those things though. Like those things for you are, I feel like soul nourishing is a little bit of a stretch, but like those are, you know, the, they spark joy. It, they totally you. do. I mean, and that's why it's very focused. Yeah. It's like what, like, focused kind of attention and like total like flow right that like that's the word I was looking for it sparks flow it totally does and like I am amazing at focusing like I can sit down for six hours and like not even get up which is not good for my body but I mean it it I love now I sound like a weirdo, but like, I love that. Like, I love, like, I wasn't kidding. Like, give me six hours in my laptop and no slack and no, like none of that. Um, because it does spark joy. I can, like, I really get in these flow states and I love, like, I love doing it. So I think that is relevant because I think I have been really focused on customer interviews, which is, is great for my business, but kind of draining for my person. So I think spending some time like in that flow state is really good for me because it does spark joy. You have to recharge your batteries. Yeah, that's exactly. That's a really good way to put it. That's exactly right. And you got to have like balance, right? Like, you know, you, I, th I think that's one of the things about being an entrepreneur and especially a sort of a, you know, small scale entrepreneur like we are. Like there's so many different things we could be doing at any time. And some of those things will spark joy and some of those will spark the opposite of joy <laughs> and all of them are necessary and we have to find a balance between them. And like I've been thinking about this lately as like the, the concept of reward work, which is like work mm -hmm. that we let ourselves do when we've gotten through the stuff that we didn't really want to do as much or was more draining. And it sounds like this kind of um, – I think I – dubbed it putzing through the code garden for you is like and and sort of just like weeding and you know cleaning things up and repainting your garden shed like those are the things that are like the reward work for you yep totally well i i think that's probably a good place to end today i, I feel like this turned into our like real life episode like your numbers are flat you had somebody churn. My laptop died, and I didn't get anything done. Like, <laughs> oh, one of those uh, weeks. Yeah, that's how it goes. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening, and um, we love when you tweet out that you're listening to it, um, or if anything uh, jumped out to you. So, we'll chat with you on Twitter. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, 
Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of WorkCited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabel developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.